Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello again. I'm John Gidley. And welcome to another trip into the football attic. Today we're going to be talking about the 1999 Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that won every one of their regular and postseason games, except the three they played against the Tennessee Titans. First, a little backstory. The Jacksonville Jaguars were one of two expansion teams that came into the NFL in 1995, along with the Carolina Panthers. Like most expansion teams, the Jags experienced some growing pains in their first season, going only 4-12. and in 1996, they started 4-7, and seven, and it looked like things would go about the same as they did in 95. To the surprise of the NFL, however, Jacksonville won each of their final five games to sneak into the AFC playoffs in only their second season in the league. Not only that, in the wildcard round, they went into Buffalo and beat the Bills 30-27. to Not only that, in the divisional round, they went into Denver to face a Broncos team that most people thought were a shoe-in for the Super Bowl. Instead, the Jaguars shocked the world and came out with another 30-27 victory. Their Cinderella season ended the next week, however, with a 20-6 loss to the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Now, it's certainly surprising to see one team make it all the way to a conference championship game in just their second season of play, but would you believe the Jaguars weren't the only team to accomplish this in 1996? Their expansion counterparts of the NFC, the Carolina Panthers, went 12-4, earned a first-round bye, and even beat the defending champion Dallas Cowboys in the divisional round before coming up short to the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game. To think we almost had a Super Bowl between two teams that had only started their franchises the year before. Over the next three seasons, the Jaguars proved that 1996 was no fluke. They went 11-5 in both 1997 and 98, making the playoffs both times but never going past the divisional round. In 1999, they blew through the AFC by going 14-2 and embarrassing a legendary quarterback and coach in the divisional round. They lost the AFC Championship game, however, to the exact same team they had lost both of their regular season games against, the Tennessee Titans. If you were with me last week when we talked about the Houston Oilers of 1972 and 73, you'll remember how they became the Tennessee Titans. 1999 was the franchise's third season in Tennessee, and the first in which they used the Titans' nickname and uniforms after changing from Oilers. After two mediocre seasons in 1997 and 98, Everything clicked for the Titans in 99 as they finished the regular season with a franchise record 13 wins, something that no Houston Oilers team ever accomplished. The first time the Titans and Jaguars met in 1999 was in a Week 3 matchup in rainy Jacksonville. Both teams came in at 2-0. In a defensive struggle, Jags quarterback Mark Brunel threw three interceptions and a late touchdown pass from Tennessee backup quarterback Neil O'Donnell to Michael Roan gave the Titans a 20-19 victory. Following this defeat, the Jaguars went on a tear, winning 11 consecutive games. They boasted the best defense in the NFL, allowing a league-low 13 points per game and leading the AFC with 57 sacks. 
Over a dominant six-week span, the defense allowed a combined 36 points in six games. The offense was solid as well, with running backs James Stewart and Fred Taylor combining for over 1,600 rushing yards and 19 touchdowns, and receivers Jimmy Smith and Keenan McCardell collectively totaling over 2,500 receiving yards and 11 touchdowns. In the meantime, the Titans occasionally stumbled, losing two games they should have won against San Francisco and Baltimore, and getting shut out in Miami. Aside from these three losses, Tennessee had a great team of their own. They were led at quarterback by the late Steve McNair, known more at this point for his running ability than his passing. McNair and running back Eddie George combined for 2,000 rushing yards and 17 touchdowns this season, while being protected by a dominant offensive line led by Hall of Famer Bruce Matthews. The next time the Jaguars and Titans met, it was Week 16 in Nashville, the day after Christmas. Jacksonville came in at 13-1 on an aforementioned 11-game winning streak, and Tennessee entered at 11-3. The Jaguars weren't only defeated on this day, they were embarrassed in a way they hadn't been all season. The Titans' offense exploded for 41 points, by far the most that Jacksonville had allowed all year. Eddie George ran for 102 yards, and Steve McNair threw five touchdown passes in an easy 41-14 victory. Aside from a long pass from Mark Brunel to Jimmy Smith, the Jags did nothing on offense. James Stewart didn't play due to an injury, Fred Taylor only got 44 rushing yards, and Brunel went only 4 for 11 passing with 95 yards, 62 of which came on that pass to Smith. Brunel was benched for Jay Fiedler, who didn't fare much better, going 8 of 22 with two interceptions. The Jaguars were now 13-2, still leading the AFC Central Division, while the Titans were 12-3. Entering Week 17, Tennessee had an outside chance of winning the division, but they would need to count on the lowly Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville. As you might expect, this didn't happen. The Jags beat the Bengals 24-7 to finish 14-2, clinching both the AFC Central Division and home field advantage in the AFC playoffs. Tennessee won at Pittsburgh 47-36, finishing 13-3 and securing the top wildcard spot in the AFC. If you've seen any compilation video of the greatest plays in NFL history, you probably know what happened the next week. The Titans beat the Buffalo Bills on the Music City Miracle play in the wildcard round. They then went into Indianapolis and upset the Colts in the divisional round, 19-16, in Peyton Manning's first-ever playoff game. The day before, the Jaguars turned in one of the most dominant performances in playoff history, beating the Miami Dolphins 62-7 in Miami quarterback Dan Marino's final NFL game, also being led by head coach Jimmy Johnson. The Jags had a 41-0 lead in the first half. With an outcome like that, you may have been led to believe that Jacksonville was destined for the Super Bowl. Tennessee, the only team that had beaten them all season, had other ideas. The next week, the Titans and Jaguars met for the third time in the 1999 season, this time for the AFC Championship. Despite Tennessee winning both of their regular season meetings, the oddsmakers had Jacksonville as seven-point favorites. With the score tied at seven late in the first quarter, James Stewart broke off on a 33-yard touchdown run to give the Jags the lead. Tennessee's Al Del Greco made a 34-yard field goal just before halftime to make the intermission score 14-10 in favor of Jacksonville. Stewart's run would be the last time the Jaguars scored all day. In the third quarter, the Titans ambushed the Jags by scoring on all three units. Steve McNair scored on a one-yard touchdown run. The defense earned a safety when Josh Evans sacked Mark Brunel in the end zone, and Derek Mason scored by taking the subsequent kickoff 80 yards to the house. McNair tacked on another one-yard touchdown run late in the fourth quarter, and that was it. Tennessee scored 16 unanswered second-half points to complete their personal hat-trick, beating Jacksonville for the third time that season, 33-14, and advancing to the Super Bowl against the St. Louis Rams and the greatest show on turf. 
in that previously mentioned video of greatest plays in NFL history, the finish to that game would have been included as well. On the final play, with the Titans down by seven, Steve McNair completed the pass to Kevin Dyson, who was tackled by Mike Jones one yard short of the goal line, preserving a Super Bowl victory for St. Louis, while Jacksonville watched at home. In the 20 years since then, neither the Titans nor the Jaguars have equaled their 1999 performances. Tennessee went 13-3 and again in 2000, but were upset at home by the eventual Super Bowl champion Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round. They've reached the AFC Championship game twice since then, but lost both times. Jacksonville went 7-9 in 2000, their first of four consecutive losing seasons, and have only made the playoffs three times since then. For younger NFL fans who are accustomed to seeing these two teams play a meaningless Thursday night football game each year, they'd be surprised to learn that the Titans and Jaguars were once the two best teams in the AFC. That'll do it for this trip into the football attic. Thanks as always for joining me, and I hope to see you again next week. In the meantime, check out all the other great podcasts here on the Sports History Network, and follow me on Twitter at JFG Sports. Until next time, this is John Gidley. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and were able to learn some good old-fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network back in 2020 with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history, but as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment, you know that. Can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports yesteryear, starting with Podcast Network and our website, but we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, or maybe being a guest on one of our shows, or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website. Seriously, all you got to do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sportshistorynetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter, because even if you don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you got to do, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me, and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through.